Dudes to Dads is a podcast to help men understand and navigate the transition of being a single dude into a family man. How do we make sense of it all? Well, we probably won't be able to, but let's go ahead and have some fun trying. And we're back. We are back. I'm Jason Kreidman. I'm Alan Bush. And this is Dudes to Dads. Alan, what's happening this week? Things are great this week. Yeah? Yeah. Energized, Energized, ready to go? Ready to go. I've got some doing push-ups and just preparing for this interview. (laughs) So we we don't actually often have guests in our let's call it studio sure. where we record sure but when we have a chance to we certainly enjoy that and uh this is certainly a special treat so today's topic is sports parenting yeah okay um i have with us terry laskevich terry hello how are you Hi. Hello, both of you. Glad to be here. So I'll give you a little bit of background on Terry. I want to talk about some of his history, uh, what he's seen, what he's experienced. And of course, as it relates to um, sports parenting and coaching and and having parents involved. Um, And then, of course, we're going to get to some tips. Uh, there's all kinds of topics that I want to cover. There's, you know, I only have somebody for so much time, but I want to get so much information in, in sure. one small, in one small uh, time. So let's kind of start out. I will give you just some some tidbits on the background, and then I want to hear from Terry himself. So he's the CEO and president of the Art of Coaching, and yeah. we'll talk a little bit about what that is. Um, it is. Uh, resource online for coaches. Um, it's it's a, it's amazing. They're they're going to do multiple sports. They've done a couple sports already. Uh, I've seen this thing grow as I've you know kept uh, tabs, if you will, on what he's been doing. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, former collegiate volleyball coach. Uh, he coached the Ohio State men's team, University of the Pacific women's team, Oregon State. Now here's the thing. Volleyball has Final Four as well. Yeah. He's taken seven. He's done. He's been there seven times. Wow. Okay, so that's that's a pretty good stat. Yeah, absolutely. Coach of the Year, Pac-12 Coach of the Year. He's done a couple things. The <laughs> other thing. Now we go to a different level. He was the U.S. Women's National and Olympic coach for twelve years. Okay, so that's that's a pretty decent thing. <laughs> good resume. <here>. Um, also, <laughs> International Coach of the Year. So, so Terry, you've been doing this for a long time. I guess I have. a decent amount. I have too long, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and so now the the reason he's on here as well is not only uh, has he dealt with so many parents, but he is a parent himself. Right. His children, both uh, the now two adult children, have uh, you know played youth sports, played collegiate sports. They you know very experienced as well. So he's had the whole gamut of sort of you know being the parent and watching them play sports um, to being an athlete yourself and then to going on and dealing with tons of parents, um, both on a, you know, college level, professional level, everything. So I think we're in for, for a good treat. So Terry, hello, welcome again. Thank you. And a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me a little, just first, um, the idea of just getting into coaching, you were, you were an athlete yourself. You were involved in sports. 
how did you decide, you know, hey, because I think you played more than one sport. How did you decide, hey, I want to be a... Well, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant and uh, my parents came here when I was three and they left the Ukraine and lived in Germany during World, World War II. I was born in a displaced persons camp in Germany. We came here in 1951 and moved to Chicago, the Ukrainian village, a 10 by 10 square block area in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the sports I played were table tennis, tennis, soccer. I wanted to play basketball, football, and baseball. And uh, <laughs> I was kind of the, the, the king of the ghetto, the sport kid. You know? But um, I was uh, started playing volleyball at age 17 because a lot of my soccer friends uh, said I ought to go play volleyball. And then I really got into it. I still was playing semi-pro soccer and college soccer, but then gave um, – kind of everything up for volleyball. I was a pre-med, went to medical school, was there for a year, and I quit to play volleyball. So you oh, could wow. imagine. Wow. My you parents, were into volleyball. Uh, yeah. So I played on the club team that the Olympic coach coached, uh, Jim Coleman, the 68 Olympic coach, and uh, you know didn't make the national team, tried out several times, and then became his assistant in a, a college, George Williams in Chicago, got my master's, coached men. We won the NAI championship, and then I went and was the coach at Ohio State and took them to two Final Four and then went to Pacific, grew a program that was one-year-old Division Three to a Division One juggernaut. We went to five Final Fours, lost in the semis twice, 15-13 in the fifth. At least you forgot we, about we, that We were in the national championship <laughs> and lost it uh, to USC in 1980. And then uh, as I went off to the national team, the person who replaced me, John Dunning, who just retired from Stanford, who started the art of coaching with me, John replaced me at Pacific, never having coached in college and won two national championships the first two <laughs> so years. So you had prepped them. I prepped them. Yeah, you I were getting everyone John ready. owes me. Right. John owes me. <laughs> so then from there, I took, I coached the Olympics for 12 years, uh, wow. grew it from, um, you know, they were a great team in 84 and everybody retired. This and was the women's team? The women's, the women's team, team. And yeah. then they won the silver medal in 84. But we really struggled in the beginning of the first two years. But be, by 1994, 95, 95, we were the number one team in the world. And so... Um, we won a, a bronze in 92, again, lost a tough five-game semi to Cuba, who won the gold medal. And, and, and then Atlanta, we lost to Cuba in the quarterfinals, and they won the gold medal. So uh, took it's a ten, little bit of history A little there. bit of history, but then took nine years off and started a couple of companies. And I think, Jason, that's where we met, yeah. where I had Arc Digital Technologies, and I had Paragon Marketing, and then Total Sports, which were marketing companies. Uh, and then when my kids went off to college, my son Mark to the University of Chicago, and then when Krista went off to Wisconsin, I said, "Hey, I, I'm." And they I'm, were soccer players. They right? were soccer yeah, yeah. players. They played. They played all sports, but uh, they played tennis. Mark played tennis. He played soccer. He played volleyball. But Krista played volleyball and soccer. So even and, that question right there, how was it? You know, it just came up for me is you were very successful at that point as a, you know, as a coach with your children playing those sports. Did you have to consciously back off or were you? Yeah, know, we were did. You? I did back off. And their mom, Nancy, was an All-American volleyball player. So we were very kind of a sports family, conscientious and <laughs> not pushing our kids into okay. volleyball. But uh, soccer is what they really gravitated toward. And I had played soccer, but what what I started seeing, and this is the landscape uh, uh, starting like in 1992 
on when my kids started playing soccer early 90s I'd watch these parents and I'd go what is going on right. they're nuts you know right. they're uh, um, and that's and, what we'll get into so, <laughs> so my son always said to me he appreciated that we used to my wife and I sat 40 yards away half the time and, and watched and didn't get involved. And, and So and, you kind of knew already that, I mean, you had this conscious, you were sort of, con- you were very conscious about well, how you were it was, it. Well, it was really different for me because my parents, my mom worked two jobs. And so they never really had a chance to come see me play. Yeah. And um, sport was... Um, avocation when when we were in the Ukrainian village in Chicago you know everybody was going to be a doctor lawyer engineer <laughs> right and um, I think that um, to me and, and having had played tennis at a high level I did in soccer and I could have gone to college and play, had a scholarships for both I would never have even considered that because I was going to be a doctor got it so yeah. I never really thought about that whole Dynamic until I finally got into coaching and saw, oh my gosh, you know, we were, and then youth sport really began in the mid 70s, early 80s, and then now it's, it's a train wreck, and it's the genies out of the bottle, and we're not getting the genie back. Got it. So, Got it. So what age, because um, this is one of the questions I had, is you know appropriateness, if you will, for getting kids into sports and competitive sports, essentially. H- how old do you recall you know, your children were when you sort of introduced them and got them into sports? And then at that same, I guess with the same question is, one thing of getting them into sports, the second is recognizing, saying, hey, maybe we're going to be a little bit more competitive about it. Well, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We live in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that neighborhood with the double cul-de-sac had 16 kids. <laughs> and those 16 kids not only had a swimming pool, they had a basketball hoop, they rollerbladed, played roller hockey, went and... That's what it was about. When you were their skateboards, right. uh, took their bikes. Uh, and, and I think that as hard as it is now in anywhere, but particularly in California, because there's not a lot of double cul-de-sacs, that it was a safe environment for them to play on their own. And I think this is the key element, unstructured play at a young age, where there are no adults, and the kids have to figure out the rules, and the kids have to figure out... um, so what age do you in? think it is is okay? Uh, well, I think by the time they now get to be, you know, six, seven, they may play a little bit of rec, whether it be, you know, t-ball or they'll play soccer or, or they'll have some swimming lessons and so forth. But I think there's a danger that's been applied now to youth sports that kid is, kids have begun to play structured adult supervised organized games at age five and six so that's too early i think it's too early i think there's too much um again structure it should just be fun it should be fun and it should um you know kids at a young age don't even necessarily know what the score is they're thinking of where they're going to have ice cream after (laughs) and and that's what it should be i think the parents I, i have a good friend uh who was coaching his son in T-ball. And um, this was like the third week, and some of the parents in the stands were saying, you know, your batting order should be adjusted because, you know, we're, we're taking averages. Of, and he goes, it's T-ball. <laughs> you know? but, but it gets to be right. so competitive. And I, and I think that what happens, it's not that the parents and dads 
they want the best for their kids. Everybody does. Sure, right. But what they really are looking at is my son or daughter are the best. They're the best athlete. They're the best piano player. They're the best skateboarder. They're the best in school. Yeah. But yet, everybody's going to get a trophy. That's the problem. You know, mm-hmm. so every little kid thinks that everything's fine. And sport. So you're not all for ever- participation trophies. I'm not for that. Um, I'm, I'm really for having a good time at the event, uh, Got it. having a good social. Kids play because they want to have fun, and yeah. also they want to socialize. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to feel worthy. Feeling worthy means that you're part of the group. Yep. And, um, you know. Giving high fives. Oh, it's for all that sure, kind of for stuff, sure. Yeah. And you see, I think in our society, even if you look at pro sports, everybody looks in, in, in the United States, we, we really want to know what who's the winner. You know, there's like this old, Hagar was a cartoon and Hagar comes home <laughs> and he's playing racquetball and his wife said, did, well, did you win or lose? And he goes, well, you know, it's not important who wins or loses. She goes, oh, you lost. <laughs> you know, so the, the whole point though is that um, as you get older and as you do have structured play, adult play, whether it be in clubs and then high school and college, yeah, winning becomes important. You keep score that there's a winner and loser. But I at still... At young age, yeah. And, and at the young age, I think it's inconsequential, particularly in young five, six, seven-year-olds that really who's going to win is, is who's physically developed at that age. Right. You know, right, they're right. going to be quick. So in soccer, they're going to get the ball and they're going to score. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything as you grow up. You so know? the competitiveness, I mean, I know, let's, let's give soccer as it's because it's a uh-huh. very common sport. You know, the age you're starting to see them at seven, eight get into more competitive teams where they are traveling they're they're chosen if you will they're you know there's there's a that aspect or even you know I swam as a child I was a competitive swimmer at age five right I, mean, I would go to swim meets right. and you know I look back I probably we wouldn't do that again <laughs> or, or I'm not doing it for my kids. but, but yeah. did you do that the question would be Jason did you do that because you wanted to do it or because it was you, what our family did family did okay yeah I mean I I at the time, I think enjoyed it, right? Um, but it, I recalled like really being into winning and being upset when I didn't win, right. and you know, I mean, it became a, it was very competitive at that age, even. Well, I'll give you an example. I mean, I remember distinctly both my kids played surf soccer, and that's a great club here in this area, and. I mean, my son's team won the the state cup, um, state championship several times. But I remember when they were eleven years old, distinctly have this memory. They were undefeated and they were at a tournament and they lost. And one of the fathers in the parking lot, and he's talking to his son, and he said, Philip, they're going to collect a silver medal. Our family does only collects gold medals. I'm saying this <laughs> oh. guy is, you know, I mean, Philip within two years quit soccer. Oh, Because sure. dad yeah. was, I mean, that same dad, I remember picking my son up about a month later in practice, and there's, his name was Peter, filming 
practice, videotaping practice, you know, and the kids are practicing goal kicks and the balls are really coming close to Peter. And so my son gets in the car and I go, hey, Mark, what is that all about? He says, could you believe Philip's dad? We were taking bets on who could hit him with the ball. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, the kids kind of know, they know, but it's also, (laughs) you could really get out of control at a younger age. And I think it really takes, I think it takes a good coach and a good club to understand when should you travel and compete? When is winning only important? And, you know, we can talk all day about clubs, both in, you know, soccer and volleyball, softball are all club oriented. Mm. And I think what's happened, though, in the high school setting, you had many more coaches that were teachers. Mm -hmm. So they were involved in child development. They knew what appropriate uh, uh, behavior modification tactics, punishment, non-punishment, verbal feedback. They're teachers. Yeah, most of the coaches in my high school were teachers. Yeah, yeah. English or some... No, so a lot of them are teachers first, coach Exactly. So what happens in club, a lot of those people aren't teachers. You know, they're there in the club because they were a good player. They're there because they're making money in the club. So they just want the best kids. So I don't think skills are taught well. They just want to win. Right. So that's a whole different matter. If you get good players, you're going to win. You know, yeah. But are those players the best that they can be? Got it. And so that's where you know, I think there's several little paths we're following here is, one, there's an overemphasis on winning at a young age. Second, there's too much of everybody's a winner no matter if you win or lose. <laughs> and then there's also the uncontrollable parents yeah. that uh, – you know, I did that once. I videotaped the parents on the sideline. Yeah. And, and then I showed that to them. And I yeah. said, here's prominent physicians, professional people, both mom and dads. And I'm saying, look, look at, at this. Yeah, you know, yeah I mean, crazy people. I mean, hey. It's and, amazing how it gets people riled up. Like, yeah. You know, well, I, you know, my that. son, this is a, a, a great example of club versus high school. So when my son was playing in high school at La Jolla Country Day, I said, so, Mark, you, you, you really like um, high school soccer. He says, you know, I love it. It's my milieu. It's my friends. Yeah. But he says, but, Dad, the other thing is, see those bleachers over there? In high school, the crazed parents have to sit in the bleachers. They can't run up and down the sideline. I go, that's a right. astute, you like, know. Yeah, yeah, no, he recognizes that. That's, no, that's, that's very interesting. One of the other things you talked about um, is multiple sports, I think, and, you know, some pros and cons of of children as they're developing, whether it's good to have them in multiple sports or bad and sort of, you know, I think as the parent, I would look at this as saying, well, I want them to develop multiple skills. And so, hey, I might have them in swimming, in martial arts, in soccer, in, you know, in various things. And they may get a little bit of different things from each one of those. But is there's a certain point where you might have to focus? Well, I think, first of all, um, don't tell that to Bo Jackson. Multiple, yeah, right. multiple skills are good because you're going to then have a way that you may li- learn lifelong leisure skills if you do a lot of different sports. The other part is that you're not going to overuse one part of your body. You're cross-training yeah. if you're doing other sports. And I think like probably the way we grew up, we'd say, hey, it's baseball season, then it's football right. season, then it's uh, you know summer. But now they're all year round. Oh my gosh, they're <laughs> all year round. And see, I think that 
I'd say this. I feel it's very important to do an individual sport and a team sport. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Because then you're learning how to deal with a group. And there's nothing better than winning as a team, losing as a team. There's a support base. Winning together is great. But individually, you also know it's up to me. Right. And then the other part, there's good, I mean, especially the individual sports, whether it be even you know running, swimming, tennis, Golf, those are great lifelong leisure sports. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, our society, look, the most important sport in this country, not even close, is football. And it's it, it goes from, from the a top money, down. From a financial standpoint. Well, yeah. financial and anywhere, it's and popular. Watched, I mean, yeah. watch the most watched television uh, yeah. and most sponsors go after it and so forth. But it's a tough sport to play beyond a high school or a college setting. Nobody plays football at age 30. And um, same thing, basketball or even competitive soccer are very difficult to play because they're so taxing on your body. Right. And um, Versus you're saying the other ones, golf, tennis, swimming, yeah, you can, you can I play mean, those leisurely. Yeah. Cer certainly. I mean, look, the, the I still say that the most uh, gifted athletes may be the men's tennis players for the amount of hours it takes to win a match <laughs> and at the high level that they're playing for three and a half to five hours. Right. Oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that's not good for your body either. You know, anybody that plays at a high level, uh, once you get to college or beyond, it's sport is deleterious to your health. It's tough on your joints. It's tough yeah. on your back, knees, hips. Yeah, I mean, I was shoulders. I played volleyball in college, as you know, as well, and I, I, almost everybody had some sort of ice ice on them All after the practice, <laughs> and then like knees, shoulders, no foot, you know, yeah. every single person. It was yeah. just. That's just I, I, I think I was mentioning to both of you. I just came back from my forty second year reunion of my. Uh, 1975 men's team and everybody's fairly healthy but there's a lot of hobbling around you know <laughs> I mean knees and hips and yeah. Uh, totally. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a, a tough sport up. on joints yeah. yeah for sure so you mentioned you know even just playing at the high level it's, you know your body and such but there was some interesting stats that you had brought about competing at a high level uh huh um, maybe you can share some of that. Of sure, you know, the, the, sure. So few people will actually make it. Well, out of all the youth sports, if you take all the youth sport athletes in every sport combined, only three percent will play in college. Only one percent will have a scholarship. So all the wow. parents that think that these kids that are playing get their education club, paid for education <laughs> paid for, I say buy zero coupon municipal bonds or <laughs> get into the programs where you can put away your money tax free yeah. to have your kids get an education. And I mean there's other so positive percent gets an, a scholarship. Scholarship, right? correct. Mm -hmm. and, wow. and and really, you know, the sport that has the most chance of getting a scholarship is women's rowing. <laughs> which is out of, you know, uh, if you look at the percentages and certainly that's not the only reason why anyone should play sport because you should play sport because it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. It's you're learning skills, you're socializing. And uh, I think there's a lot of pressure put on kids to think that, hey, because we're spending money to play club, whatever, I then am going to get that money repaid when I'm going to be a college athlete. And boy, that's there's a lot of pressure yeah. on kids. And a well, lot you of said so. Even one so one percent gets a scholarship, and then what's the percentage of that actually goes to professional? 
0.1%. So, I mean, you're talking, I think it's one out of every 15,000, is it basketball players? That, that one plays. Out, that I mean, plays. You're talking about the percentage of people who actually play. Correct. That percent then Correct. go, oh, wow. Correct. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> infinitesimal because, and, and part of the other issue, look, People can get hurt, so yeah, you yeah. could be one knee away from obscurity yeah. if you put all uh, all all that into playing. I, you know, I really had a great relationship when I was at Oregon State with Mike Riley, who was the football coach there at that time, and now he's the head coach at Nebraska. And what Mike did in recruiting young men, he'd say, "Look, I was a um, head coach in the NFL. I can get you to the NFL." And he was a great coach. But then, as soon as you got there, he said, "Hey." You're not going to get into the NFL. You got to get your degree, you know. So because he also <laughs> knew the percentages, right. and and it's not like, um, you know, like people will watch uh, Kentucky basketball with Calipari and yeah, one and done. But those are genetic freaks, yeah, you know. Th- right. Those are and those people should be one and done. If I could make thirty five million dollars by s- being a first round draft choice, sure. Yeah. Hey, come on, <laughs> sure. go get your education go afterwards. Get, exactly. <laughs> so, but but I think that is uh, you know when people will look at sport in general and they'll say, well, my daughter could be like Mia Hamm, or my son can be like LeBron James, or gee, my son's going to be like Roger Federer. Hey, there. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> well, yeah, you, really. you, you have really, you seen? I mean, you've been up. You know, you see a kid that all of a sudden really stands out. Yeah, but but I think yeah. you have to have several things. One, genetics. The other, a they're self-driven, self-driven yeah. for sure. Intrinsic motivation. Yeah. The other is a great attitude, work ethic, and effort. If you look at the top of all, whether it be um, take a Tom Brady. He's not the fastest. He's not the quickest. He has tremendous work ethic and reliability. But once you get someone that is genetically gifted, like like a LeBron or Michael Jordan, and you have work ethic, effort, unstoppable, unstoppable. Yeah. Serena Williams. You know, I mean, yeah. those are and 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 part of it is when people look at young kids that are ages four to seven, you can't project how much they're going to grow. Or also, there's no algorithm to mention to measure work ethic, attitude, and effort. Absolutely. And that's what Not I yet. think is yeah. the differentiator. There's a lot of great athletes. Uh, um, what, what's the name of the receiver for New England, Edelman? Compare him to all the great receivers that New England may have had. There were twice or three times more gifted than he is, but how right. many Super Bowls has he won? Right. right. You know, and those are, I think... You've got to be careful because if you only look at the kid that is fast, quick, sometimes those kids also don't have burnout. They have a burnout and also they don't work hard because it's always been easy. Yeah. It's always been easy. I I saw when you get to the national team, hey, I coached, you know, when you really think about it in volleyball, I had 18 athletes. All of them were three or four time All Americans. My team was a lot difficult to coach than an NBA team because in the NBA, you have all the talent dissipated among 30 teams. I have 18 of the best. They all were the superstar of their college. Right. How do you subjugate them to a different role? Or yeah. how do you make them, again, go back to feel worthy? And hey, uh, the, the hardest thing is self-confidence in sport. And to, to be great, you got to get people out of their comfort zone. So that in any profession 
all of us have gone through a different job or whatever, and you go, I don't know if I can do this. Well, right. hey, you got to get out of your comfort zone in order to do anything well. Difference and, is not there's not a million something people watching on TV. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and see, and that's the thing that people don't realize about age group sport or even high school or college. There's a lot of emotion that you bear in front of friends, family, yeah. people, college, or hey, how many people are watching a game? And you know, they're the fans. Fans, absolutely. Fan comes from fanatic. These are people that are right, exactly. they live or die. I mean, the Cubs lost three games to the Yankees. Oh my gosh, <laughs> eighteen innings last night. That's on. I mean, my gosh, you know. So I mean, you gotta. But it's you can't. You can't take that down to the kids. Right. You know, that's that's right. the issue I see. No, I, I got you. Um, and then one of the other things you talked about was recruiting. You know, uh-huh. you talk about recruiting, the process of getting into college sports. So maybe you know, just a tip or two uh, for, you know, kids that or parents that have for the dads that have high school sport kids, uh, their children play high school sports and they're good. And. Are there some things and some ways sure. to sort of set it up so that they sure. can? You know, be I, I think there's two things that I come to mind right away. Send them to a sport camp at the college that they're interested in. Okay. Because then they are, get a chance to see the college. If they're good, they're going to get coached by the coaches at that school. That's a what good age way. does that? Does, I mean, as a freshman, can you go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. go as a freshman, eighth grader. I think those are the good times to go because you start eighth grade, freshman year, sophomore year. Good times. If you're good. If you're good. <laughs> yeah. But you know, a lot of kids can go. And have a good time at a camp too. The the other thing is be proactive. So you, as the young potential student athlete, should reach out, email coaches, do your homework on the internet, looking at. So it's schools. not having your parents do it; it's doing well, it. Well, don't because I think the to me, I really liked when a young person reached out to me because even though it's awkward for them, but it's a good way for them to start interacting with adults, yeah. and it's a good way for them to take ownership of what their interests are. And I think that parents are going to have for sure a say, but if parents, parents want to guide their kids. You know, I, I always say that to me, parenthood is, there's a great statement in the prophet, you know, Cahil Gibran said, children are like, the uh, like they're they're arrows and you're the archer and you're going to point the arrow to the mark, but then you have to let it go. And I think that that's what I've learned a long time ago. One of my dear friends was an eminent psychologist. And when my son turned 13, he said, strap yourself in for a ride of your life for eight to 10 years, and then they're going to come back to their core values. And that's very true, but they have to have core values. If you don't have core values, what are you going to come back to? And I think Which is the whole thing we're doing here, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that that's the whole thing about parenting, because it's uh, parenting is not easy, and it's uh, every child is different. And I think it's um, a matter of understanding that they have to do as they want, what they enjoy. And if you can teach him good attitude, work ethic, um, critical. You know, my, my dad had this statement that always reverberated in my mind. You know, he, he'd say, he says, you know, this is a great country. If you work hard, anything is possible. But understand, you may work hard and you may not get what you want, but you will never get what you want if you don't work hard. And that stayed with me forever. And I think that's what you can impart in your kids about, uh, you know, not only following the golden rule, but also um, being tolerant, um, caring about the people around you. And I think these young kids today really care about each other, uh, care about 
the world, mm -hmm. but also I think they need to learn how to work hard and not to have everything given to them because a lot of them have been enabled. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the yeah, parents... Sense of entitlement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, hey, uh, I deserve that right. because I got a trophy. Well, you're not going to get a trophy <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, that's, that's very, very true. So let's do... I want to kind of wrap, uh, summarize, if you will. Um, you know, we put together five tips to be an effective sports parent. So mm -hmm. kind of wrapping mm -hmm. all this stuff mm -hmm. up. Um, so the first one you, you had mentioned was it's, it's, re it's really about them. It's about you know? them. It's about what they, you know, you want to put them in a safe environment. You want to put them in an environment where they're going to have a good, uh, teacher coach that's going to, uh, really understand points two and three. That person yeah. needs to know that, hey, these kids need to have fun. Right. Kids quit sport because they don't have fun. Right. Okay. And then the next thing, point three is you need to learn skill. Anything of value in sport begins with the skills of that sport. Take volleyball. You've got to have, hey, you've got to hit the ball, block the ball, dig the ball, pass the ball, set the ball, and hit the ball. So those are the six skills. If you're playing football, you've got to block, you've got to tackle, you've got to run. Right. Um, basketball, you've got to shoot, you've got to rebound, you've got to block out, you've got to handle the ball, pass, and dribble. So you've got to learn those things because as you get better and as you get more physically adapted, and grow or get stronger, hey, you still have to have the skills. Right. Good skills. You start to specialize a little bit more, yeah, I guess. You know? Yeah, but you still have to have you know, the skills. And, right. and, and so those are the first three. It's about them, fun, make sure it's fun. Number three, make sure you're learning skills. Right. Um, Okay, and then so the, and then the fourth thing you had mentioned was um, you know supporting them, and maybe I think you use the term unconditional. So, yeah, you know, yeah. unconditional love. No matter, look, uh, kids are gonna learn through sometimes uh, failure or sometimes through doing the wrong thing, and yeah. I think you just need to make sure they're accountable. Uh, you want to support them. You're going to give them unconditional love. But at the same time, you've got to make them accountable. Yeah. You can't let them just get away with things because, hey, I'll take care of that. Or, gee, I'll go see the principal. Or, I'll go see the coach. Or Natural consequences. Natural consequences <laughs> is, is actually good because yeah. it's... Uh, uh, th that needs to be your motivator. You know, right. you've got to get above that. So, and then the reality, the last point is, uh, I think you called it the one percent, the one percent, and the point one percent. And it is the, I think, Jason, what you mentioned right now is reality. Is that, look, um, I remember seeing a mom at an early age, and my daughter was about seven or eight, and the mom kind of in earshot of everybody says to her daughter, "You're going to be the next Mia Hamm." The, does the mom even know what that means? Right. You know, I mean, Mia Hamm's one of a million, you know, so yeah. what kind of pressure are you putting on your daughter or that's an expectancy that's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, uh, it happens um, very rarely, and it takes uh, serendipity. It takes take take one of the, the greatest tennis player of all time, Roger Federer. One of the great things about Roger, he enjoys playing, but the other, he's very very rarely been hurt. You know, only mm -hmm. in the last year and a half has he been hurt at age 33. Right. But, you know, a lot of things may happen to you in your career. So that 1% that will get a college scholarship, there's only 1% and only 0.1% of all those playing that sport Jeez. are going to get to the next level. So it's... That's it's, crazy. When yeah. You think about those numbers, like how few people, know. you know, and the aspiration that everyone thinks that they can get there. 
there might be some value in the aspiration or the desire or the goal, but ultimately, like it's the, easier. The to, it's, check. E- it's easier to be a neurosurgeon right. statistically. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know. Yeah. You get paid about the same, right? <laughs> paid about the same, but you have you may have a longer career as yeah, a surgeon. Yeah. Less traumatic <laughs> head disorders. <laughs> yeah. So, so where do people find you know what you're doing? I guess the art of coaching volleyball. Art of coaching. Well, we we've started with the art of coaching volleyball. So if you go to theartofcoachingvolleyball.com, mm-hmm. you'll get to our volleyball site. If you go to theartofcoachingsoftball.com, you'll get to our softball site. Where we're right now, they're still not completely ready. Baseball and football are the next launches wow. that we're going to have. And ultimately, we really want to do a general site called The Art of Coaching. We've also done, and I'm going to give you a copy of that to both of you, we've got a little course for parents. Oh, good. Oh, okay. It's a 20-minute cool. course, and it also has anything from animations to okay. like the do's and the don'ts. Oh, no, that's so, great. So great. we'll send that to you because it's uh, we want to get that out to parents, and we want to get that out to clubs and high schools to be able to that's say, great information. hey, yeah. take Take a look at this because you'll be a better sport parent right. if you go through No, that. for sure, for sure. I appreciate that. Alan, anything? Uh, no. I mean, it's yeah, pretty it's thorough. Absorbing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absorbing all the information. I had some questions, but you answered them before I even thought of it. So I'm like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, awesome. it's, it's interesting because you know we think about f- the sports aspect of it, but how much of it is emotional, emotional intelligence, yeah. psychology. I mean, I would imagine, especially in your, in your you know, collegiate coaching and the national – how much of your time was actually spent off the court or not touching the ball or not not dealing with the X and O's, if you will? Well, for yeah. sure, because it's, again, back to re- it's a team. It's relationship-based. It's a team culture. Yeah. How do you develop a culture? It's role definition. Uh, it's communication. It's... Um, uh, really making sure that uh, you're giving them the best shot that they can have. And, you know, I've, I've not always been right, but I think for the most part I have been because it's going to take care of itself as to who rises to the top. That's great. And, and then you've got to let, you know, like, hey, my daughter was the captain of the soccer team at Wisconsin. My son started playing soccer at the University of Chicago, and then he didn't want to play. And then the coach calls me, and I'm going, hey, why are you calling me? <laughs> and he says, well, your son's really good. He's going to be a starting central midfielder. I'm saying, Hey, he doesn't want to play. But like five years later, um, I remember being in Chicago and Mark's working now for U.S. Soccer. He says, Dad, come watch me play. And I go see him play, um, on, you know, just an outdoor game in right. a league. And I mean, really good team. And he has fun. And he comes off and he says, Dad, I play soccer to have fun. I hate practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got to yeah. just know no, where, where you're at. And, and I think that that's what that's it's important. about. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. So yeah. with that, Alan, Terry, thank you very much for uh, coming yeah, here. My pleasure. great. A lot of great and, info. Uh, if you guys have any questions or so, Alan, where can people find us? Go to uh, podcast at dudesadads.com if you want to email us. And then also our social media channels, Facebook, dudesadads.com, Twitter, at dudesadads. You can go to YouTube, Stitcher, and iTunes and look for dudesadads. And please subscribe to all three if you can. Leave a lot of, some a lot of stuff they got to do. Yeah, they got, well, you know, <laughs> you got to be dedicated. Right. got to have that value there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all three of those channels. Please, uh, if you can, if you do iTunes and Stitcher, please leave a review. It actually helps the ratings of the show. Awesome. All right. With that, we'll see you next week. See you next week.